Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Hello, everyone. This is a kind of a special edition Tej Talks episode because um, someone called Ash Palmer, who I've been speaking to on Facebook, uh, sent me some questions to answer for his dissertation. I said I'd happily answer them. I like answering questions. Don't know why. I'm weird. Um, and he sent me over the questions. And I was going to send him a, you know, a WhatsApp voice note with my answers in. But I read the questions and thought, hmm, actually, you know, this is quite an interesting set of questions that my answers and a discussion around it could be pretty interesting for others to listen to. So, you know, I'm releasing this as a, as a separate thing to the main episodes, just like I do the other specials, Mindful Monday and the Social Media Mondays. Check them out if you haven't already. So I'm going to read out, you know, the questions as they come along and answer them. I, I haven't really looked at these in detail, so I haven't prepared anything. So in typical Tesh Talk style, let's see how it goes. So the first one is... Describe your mindset towards property investing. And the, you know, this is a very open question. Um, I think my mindset towards property investing is the same as it is in any business. One, it's going to take time. Yes, three months. Who knows? You could be spotted, could go viral, could be presenting a show on Netflix. Boom, you're done. More than likely, it's going to take years and many months. Um, so I think the first thing is my mindset is it's a long game and it's a long game to be really, truly successful. I think secondly is positivity. Like you have to remain positive. Yes, you're going to feel down. Yes, you, you're going to be sad and it's okay to, to have negative emotions and be upset. But as you're getting offers rejected, as your builder, you know, pisses you off, as your lender pulls out at the last minute, you know, as someone comes in and robs the copper from your building site, you need to be positive and stoic and say, yes, that's happened. What can I do about it? What have I learned from it? And how am I going to stop it happening again? So the second one is positivity. I think the third one is resilience. You know, I'm a recruiter by day. I make X many calls. I fail most of the time. Um, You offer X many jobs. You get X many acceptances. You know, you try and pitch to new businesses, most of them will reject you. Um, I'm so used to that. Like, it doesn't it doesn't phase me in the slightest getting a rejection or sending an offer and the agent 10 minutes later says, nah. You know, or, or visiting a house and thinking, oh my God, you know, this house, this is, yeah, this is it. This is going to be a wicked investment. And I get gazumped. Or something happens and it takes months and months and months and months to complete, you know, whatever. Like it's all part of it. Um, and that leads me to my next point, which is confidence. I think I have the confidence in myself um, and you should too, that you can achieve anything you want. And it's not easy, especially I think the longer you've been working in a kind of nine to five slash corporate job, the harder it is to have that self-belief because you've had a manager, you've had targets, you've had a team around you. So I think it becomes harder and harder to believe in yourself. Perhaps when you're younger and you've had less experience you're kind of a bit more you know I don't know stupid or brave and you're just like whatever like I will make this work because I will make it work and I know I can because you haven't maybe had those years to kind of you know 
keep you in check, which is not a positive thing or a negative thing. Uh, I think those are my main sort of uh, things that I could use to describe my mindset towards property investing. I mean, there's many, many others, but I think mindfulness and stoicism kind of underline them all. Does not mean you're not going to have bad days or bad emotions or you're not going to feel you know, mentally healthy or physically healthy? You know, you definitely are going to feel those things because we're human. Um, but, you know, that's my mindset towards property. The second question is, do you think you need a certain mindset to invest in property? If yes, what kind? Absolutely. Uh, I think yes, someone with a bad mindset, a negative mindset, a positive mindset, a wealth abundance mindset, a scarcity mindset can all invest in property and can all be successful and can all be rich. So that goes against what I'm saying, right? No, because my caveat to this question is in order to be deeply and you know, successful on a big scale where you're making, you know, a lot of money, you're making a lot of change in the world, you're doing something great, you need a certain mindset to survive that. Because if you don't, when things go wrong, you know, you're not going to make it past those barriers. So you 100% need a certain mindset. Can anyone have it? Absolutely. Does it matter where, you know, what stage you are in life? No. You can have this mindset and you can have all you want from property or any business as long as your mind is supporting you and carrying you through you know you wouldn't build a building with poor foundations okay some people would um, but they understand for long so make sure your foundation which is your mind because it you know it, it controls everything you do um then you you can have anything you want so yeah to have a certain mindset and, and what kind um i think it's everything i mentioned before to have those kind of traits i think are are necessary for success in property and i'm not a hugely successful property investor i'm nowhere near any of the guests on my show like at all i know that um and you know that too because you listen to me hopefully say that um but i know that the kind of mindset i have and the qualities i have are going to provide me that foundation you know and i think you know if i say this to someone who maybe i work with uh, like kind of who isn't interested in entrepreneurship or having their own business or whatever, they'll think it's slightly cocky and be like, oh, touches off on one again. But if I say it to someone who has their own business, they'll totally understand and say, you know, that's not cocky at all. That's just confidence in yourself. So on to the next questions, which are based on characteristics. So which of your personal characteristics do you apply to property investing? Uh, I think the biggest one is confidence, as I kind of said before. Um, I think resilience, again, is important to be able to deal with lots of flack and carry on and carry on smiling. Uh, you know, I guess from resilience is also being able to switch off, which I struggle with. Um, and I think, you know, being able to switch off as an entrepreneur is, is difficult, you know, especially in the first few years or year where you're kind of trying to make money you know you don't make money you don't eat sometimes for some people um and that's reality but you know that's also a big driver so i wish i could apply being able to switch off as a slight tangent to the question um i think another one of my characteristics is being a people person uh and i guess i'm also quite extroverted if anyone who's met me uh you'll know this and maybe from my social media you'll be able to tell this as well and given that i'm, I'm talking on a podcast right now um, even though you'd have to be an extrovert to do that. Um, so back to the point, I think being a people person and an extrovert for me really, really helps because I will rock up to a viewing, 
speak to the agent like they're my mate professionally, ask them questions, make jokes, make comments, call them back, be confident enough to just do that. And I think I, and I really enjoy that. And I'll go to networking events, tell people what I'm doing, make connections, walk around the room, walk up to someone random, interrupt a conversation. Sorry, don't mind if I just jump in the conversation. Um, you know, go up on stage and, and talk about what I'm doing confidently. And I think that characteristic, you know, as well, you know, as long, along, as you know, alongside a mindset is your foundation, right? Like it's your core personality. Um, and for me, that allows me to meet people who have taught me so much. I haven't paid any money for any property courses. Why do I have so much knowledge? You know, I'm not an expert again, but I have knowledge, you know, more so than people who go on courses sometimes who have paid thousands of pounds. And, you know, is that because I'm an extrovert and a people person? Yeah, maybe. Or I'm just a, a cheap Indian. I don't know. <laughs> I'll let you decide. Um, the next question is, do you, do you think you need a certain set of characteristics to be a property entrepreneur? If yes, which ones do you think are important? Yes, you need resilience. You need attention to detail. Um, you need to be able to present confidently. So, you know, I guess public speaking kind of, we kind of fall into that. I think you need persistence. You need resilience. You need confidence in yourself and in the process and what's happening and I think you need to be process driven I will caveat this and say hey you know everyone doesn't have everything so if you have half of these and you have a business partner who has half of these then great I filmed some content with James and Ravi from the James and Ravi show um you know great name right (laughs) the other day and I could tell quite quickly how they are so different and they are polar opposites and then when I asked them you know how do you split your work and who does what it was pretty much what I thought in terms of, you know, who does what. And I you know, just met them. And half an hour later, I said, you know, we, we kind of went through this question. Um, and watch out for those videos. They're coming soon to my YouTube channel, uh, talk. subscribe to it. Um, so it's, you know, yes, you need all these characteristics. But at the same time, you can always, you know, JV on characteristics with someone. But I still think it's important to be well-rounded to an extent, right? The next question is, what actions do you take regularly that contribute towards your property investing journey? Okay, wow. Now, this is a big sort of answer. Well, I think it's going to be a big answer. So, I think the first one is being consistent on social media. My Instagram posts every day for six days a week. Facebook, I post three to six times a week. I should post more. Um... I should post once a day. If you want tips on Facebook, listen to my social media podcast. Um, I consistently speak to deal sources. I consistently comment on posts and like posts and keep in touch with guests on my podcast and say, hey, I'm sort of in the market for this. If you get anything like this, give me a call. I can let you know pretty quickly. Um, I research different areas for investment. I have Wales and the Midlands as my chosen areas, but don't get me wrong. I know Manchester is a great area, as is Liverpool. If someone comes to me and says, hey, I've got a great property there. Here's the details and it stacks. You know, you can bet that I will invest. Um, Yes, you shouldn't have your properties all over the country and be in a scattergun kind of approach. But the places I'm open to are within, you know, two hours driving from my home. Well, Well, actually, no, sorry, three, four hours driving from my home or from a family member's home. So I see it as a pit stop, right? So for me... I'm consistently kind of researching things. I'm reading news articles. I'm on Rightmove and Zoopla every other day. Um, I'm always checking my uh, email notifications for new properties coming up. I'm speaking to sources weekly, directly emailing and saying, what have you got? 
what have you done this week? You know, what are we looking at? WhatsApp them, whatever. I'll nag them. Hey, I'm still in the market, you know, what have you got? Um, alternatively, I will use, or I'm about to use a viewing service called Viewber. Uh, check them out. I haven't used them yet, so I have no feedback or no sentiment towards them. But check it out. It's uh, meant to be pretty good. Safe, one of the guests on the podcast, recommends it. So I'm going to use that to do some viewings in Wales. Um, you know, I'll speak to some of my friends in Wales, keep getting information about different areas, keep looking at different properties and saving them to my watch lists to to make sure that they are, well, not to make sure, but just to keep an eye on them and how they progress. I'll call agents regularly and ring around about properties. If there's one that, you know, I, I really don't need to waste time driving to Wales to view, but it, you know, it might have a tiny bit of potential. You know, I'll call the agent and say, hey, I'm interested in viewing this property. You know, let me know if anything happens with it. Um, you know, contact me if it doesn't sell or something like, you know, would they accept this sort of number? Because looking at it, that's probably what I would offer. You know, don't want to kind of waste your time on a viewing. If, if this is not even what they're going to offer, they would accept. However, you know, if it doesn't sell, I, I can come through with this much for the next three months. Uh, I'm building a KPI tracker at the moment to track what I'm doing weekly. Um, I'm going sort of full-time property in about a month once my contract, current contract finishes. So, uh, you know, once that happens, the KPIs and the viewings and the visits are going to just increase dramatically. Uh, I think, you know, recording these podcasts is an action I'm taking, you know, towards my property investment journey, posting regularly, networking with people consistently, something I do, which I love because like I said before, I'm a people person. If I can help someone, you know, with a little bit of knowledge that I've learned from one of my guests or that I know or that I know someone or something, I'm happy. Like that makes me happy. Um, and I know a lot of people are like that. Most people are like that. And when you kind of come together and meet, it's great. Uh, and of course, if it's, you know, over Nando's or it's Frank and Manga Pizza, then well, you know, it's, it's a win either way, right? Um, so networking is super important. Events, yeah, I kind of exhausted myself, went to loads and then, I don't know, didn't get a huge amount of value from it. So I kind of prefer, you know, watching people on Facebook and kind of saying, hey, want to meet up? You know, post some interesting stuff, let's grab coffee. And that's kind of built closer connections, um, which makes sense. You know, networking is kind of a mass uh, thing. I also find it really difficult to learn from other people. And when I sit down, like, I did, I'm just not very teachable. I can learn quick. Like, don't get me wrong. You know, someone trying to, you know, I was trying to learn salsa the other day and someone was trying to teach me and I was like, this is not happening. This is not going in. Like, I'm just flopping. I went home. I literally practiced for five minutes in my room and I learned it. And I was like, what, what, what is this? I just find it really hard to learn in a kind of traditional environment. So some of the talks are amazing. For example, Nick Carlisle and Gemma Els, who are, who are coming on the podcast separately soon. I saw them at a talk and was like, they are awesome. I want them on the show. But generally speaking, you know, sitting on those uncomfortable chairs, um, you know, in, in with minimal leg room and kind of, it just doesn't work. Anyway, so I digress. That's talking about networking. Back to actions. Um, I think that's the majority of the actions I take. I mean, there's plenty of actions every day, such as, you know, meditating, reading like mindfulness, writing down three things I'm grateful for, looking at my vision board, um, you know, speaking to my friends who are in property. Hey, what are you working on? oh, you just had an essay unit. Cool. Let me know how it goes. I might be interested in that. Uh, you know, speaking to people on Instagram, commenting on things, liking on things, building a brand, which again, traditionally is nothing to do with my property investment investment journey. But nowadays it's, it's got quite a lot to do with it. Um, especially with, you know, TED Talks being, being the brand that it is and, you know, me trying to get it to a place where even more people know about it and listen to it. Right. Um, 
So yeah, that's, you know, it's a great question. And the next question is, do you think individuals need to take regular action to be successful in property? Absolutely. You know, it's the compound effect. It's the effect of being persistent and consistent. Um, everything that ends in int seems to be pretty useful. You know, you can go on courses all day long. Uh, and take nice pictures on the course and say, I'm learning so much. And you can learn so much and you will learn so much. But does learning make you wealthy? It may make you mentally wealthy, don't get me wrong. But if you're not applying it and taking experience from it and improving on it and actually implementing it, you know, are you truly deeply wealthy? And, you know, you're not going to be, you know, um, financially wealthy unless you do take action, right? And, you know, courses are good. They're useful um, for most people. I personally don't learn much in that kind of environment. Then again, you know, I haven't really been on any, so I can't say, you know, I haven't or haven't learned from them. Um, but I think it's important that, like, you are taking action because courses and all these things, will, and listen, even listening to this podcast will give you comfort. Oh, they're doing really cool things. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, I should do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's comfort, right? It's like having your hand held and then meeting other people and saying, oh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I was meant to invest. But, you know, I thought, ah, let me go another course. Let me uh, listen to a few more podcasts, a few more books. I just, ah, you know, I wasn't ready for it after 10 courses and 10 books. So I thought, let me let me get to 11 and then I'll be ready. And then a few months later, you see him again. Oh, mate, how, how did it go? You, you read your 11th book and 11th course. You got that property? Ah, now, well, you know what? I found a, a, a mastermind thing. So now I'm on my 12th. Co- and like, yeah, I'm taking the piss here, supremely taking the piss. But you kind of get my gist, right? That if you're just learning, learning, learning and not implementing, you're not going to have, you're not going to reach the goals that you want or be successful in property. Um, You know, I've been guilty of doing this. I'm sure you have too. You know, we all have, but it's something that we have to knock ourselves out of and take action um and there's always an action to be had you know it's one of these things where yes property is long and there can be lots of waiting cough cough conveyancing searches um but within that time there's always something else you could be doing you know you could be building a personal brand you could be looking for more properties you could be researching new areas could be networking so there's always something that you can be doing in property looking for investors meeting new people you know whatever it is so you know taking action is key to being successful and some people say oh learn and then take action some people say nah forget it just jump in take action I I personally agree with the first half which is learn enough but then get out there and take action because you know you need that baptism by fire and to be dropped in the deep end to see if you sink or swim you know or if you become Michael Phelps you know like that's what you need, that kind of test. And you only get there by taking action. So, you know, don't take it from me. Listen to any of the guests on the podcast who have done incredible things and usually in quite short time periods. You know, they didn't say to me, Ted, yeah, I read loads of books and I thought about it. And uh, I listened to, you know, your podcast a lot. And then uh, I, I had 10 properties, you know, that would be amazing. And hey, great advertising for me. But that's not the case. You know, they, they listened to my podcast. Yeah, they did. Um, and they read books and courses, but they took action. So supremely important, take action. Everyone always says it. Um, and this is where KPIs and kind of useful trackers such as Toggle, which is, I, th- I believe it's TOG.GL, where you can kind of track your time are so useful.
The next question is, what are the key challenges which you face on a daily basis within property? Uh, not finding enough deals that stack, not finding investment. I didn't get any investment for my first deal in Wales. I was looking for a loan of about 50 grand, would have taken half of it. Um, I didn't get any. Did I do a huge amount to promote it? Not enough. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't get investment. <sighs> That's fine. I had I have enough of the deposit. I'm bridging it. I've worked out a kind of slightly way to make it cheaper with bridging, i.e. I just take all the costs off the initial loan so the loan is less. Fine, whatever. It just means less coming out, you know, from my pocket, but more going in in terms of a deposit, which is absolutely fine with me. Um, but, like, I didn't find investors. Uh, you know, having to pay sourcing fees, which are too high. Um, you know, finding properties, but maybe not being able to react quick enough to them due to location or... You know, for example, in the Midlands, finding properties, but then just like them going for way more than they're worth because of what the market's like. Um, I think, you know, if you're, you know, when you're really new and you maybe haven't worked in sales before, a challenge would be to avoid the snake oil sales people on Facebook and, you know, who to trust with courses and which community to trust and which bit of advice. It's very difficult, you know, generate trust issues nowadays on Facebook when you're kind of new to the world of property because there's just so much going on and everyone advertises well most people advertise really well so it's kind of kind of hard to choose and you know everyone has an opinion about this and this and that uh i think another one is activity levels i think trying to get the activity levels needed to have a deal for me personally can be can be quite difficult um especially when you're not in the best state mentally or physically which has happened recently um so i think the mental health aspect is big and I'd love to do like a kind of special series on that as well. Um, and that's something no one really talks about in any business. You know, when you're working from home alone, you know, I'm sitting here at 10 p.m. You can probably see in my voice, like it sounds weird because again, I'm kind of losing my voice for like the third time this year. It's pretty cold in my office. But again, that could be just being a cheap Indian. <laughs> um, so, you know, people don't talk about the struggles that come with that. The struggles of, hey... I've got a personal guarantee on a £750,000 bridging loan from a nasty bridging company. I'm sleeping at night. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you know, most people are probably fine with it because that's how business goes. But like, shit, they, you know, you've got to kind of think of that. Like, when was the last time you took on half a million plus pounds worth of debt on your personal name that would make you bankrupt if something goes wrong? Yes, 99%, it, you know, it won't go wrong because everything's been assessed and done your due diligence and so has the lender. But, Think about it for a second. You know, there's there's stresses like that which aren't really spoken about, which I haven't faced yet. You know, I'm I'm borrowing within my means so far, um, but it's definitely a challenge as things get bigger. You know, I think, you know, strategy. What strategy do you follow? You know, I don't want to do rent to rent. I don't want to do SA. But damn, they're the best ways to kind of get a cash flow and get out of business quickly. You know, mm, I was going to buy a built, uh, you know, a, a property for a HMO in Birmingham. Now I'm thinking, mm, you know, I spoke to Chris Taylor's on the podcast and. I, and I kind of thought, hold oh, on a minute, give it to someone like him and just do SA with it and probably get the same sort of return, but potentially less headache when it's when it's kind of looked after by someone else because there's no ASTs, there's no messy Section 21s and, you know, all that kind of stuff and HMO licensing. So I thought, oh, maybe I should do this. And then this kind of argument or this debate happens all the time in your head. And I think once you do a few properties and you kind of do maybe a few strategies and you try a few things, only then can you really be like, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is my passion. I don't know. I could be wrong. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm way behind that level. 
but that's what it kind of feels like to me you know um and i think being open to strategies is important and it all boils down to your why um no one can answer that for you or give you that answer but they can definitely help you choose what to do so that is a big big struggle your strategy what am i doing you know um being lost feeling alone uh you know kind of thinking is this the right path for me you know these are all challenges we're going to face but at the end of the day we're passionate about what we do we love what we do whether it's property whether it's a restaurant business or you know you like whatever it is we're passionate about this right so we will you know face these challenges as a fun part of life you know and that's kind of a way to see it as part of this big game right um so you know yeah i've said some negative things here but i think as much as they're negative they are what we're gonna face and what i face at least the next question is how does or would the external environment around you affect your property investment strategy this could be related to new laws trends market performance or demand great question um I have never rented. I I wouldn't really rent. Um, if anyone who doesn't know, generally Indian families, you can you know as kids we can live with our parents for a very long time. And traditionally, in fact, you would, and you wouldn't pay rent or pay the bills. And again, I'm generalizing, but a hundred percent of my friends are in this situation as well. So it's quite nice, right? Um, so for context, you know, for context, I wouldn't rent. Why would I? Because I would just, you know, buy a house, I'm going to buy a house. And then, you know, when it comes to, you know, buying another house, whatever, I would just sell that one and make money, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but, like, renting is, for me, has never been something I've understood. But from the use of putting out kind of adverts and speaking to people, and I don't necessarily trust letting agents, but from speaking to investors and seeing how quickly some things get let, like, people will rent houses. People sometimes... You know, most people have to rent a house, especially in London. Like, it's stupidly expensive to live here, you know? Like, it's ridiculous. Um, But renting is a big thing. And for me, that was something that in my environment I didn't understand. But now that I understand rental demand, I know if I look at a place, I'm like, cool, this will rent. And if I don't, I have ways of testing if it will. Uh, I think trends are, are trends. There's always going to be timeless classic strategies like vanilla by toilets you know adam lawrence number one listen to podcast on the show has like 160 of them now yeah he could have had less hmos but he hasn't he's gone for you know vanilla by toilets um irrespective of what the trends are and all the yellow pillows that you see in in, in in sa units right so i'm not really too fussed about trends um i think trends are great to have on the podcast you know so people can kind of understand what people are talking about now I think market performance is important. Uh, you know, for example, I invest in Wales and it's not near the Seven Bridge. So, you know, capital appreciation is not going to be huge, at least not in the next, you know, five years, I don't think. I'm not really bothered. I'm in it for the cash flow and the small bit of appreciation I will get. Great. That's a small bonus. Uh, I think new laws, yes, they are the thing that is going to, sh- you know, shape a strategy. Um you know, you had the 90-day rule in London for SA. I, I don't really hear of any SA people stopping or it affecting anyone because they've made ways around it. So new laws are going to affect potentially how I budget for things, i.e. HMO licensing. If that changes and becomes more expensive again, then it's not going to stop me buying a HMO, but it's going to make me reconsider how much I offer maybe or what my budget is. So I think, yeah, the, the external environment around me does affect my strategy 
But at the same time, there are some core strategies and core beliefs, such as people need homes and there is a housing shortage that really show me that, you know, a lot of strategies will work irrespective of, you know, the world, right? Even with Brexit coming, people still need places to live. Yes, there may be less demand as people kind of go back to Europe, um, unfortunately, but that's that's the way it is. How do I manage risk? So I'm buying this property through Sean Forsey in Wales and he said, you are the most diligent person, the most careful person with your figures. You do them once, you do them twice, you do them thrice, and then you do them again for fun and then you'll send it to someone else to check. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, mate, you're right, 100%. Like, that is me. Um, and I don't think that's something that's going to change when it comes to investing something in a new place or area, and it's a new thing for me, i.e. property, compared to what I've done for the past you know, few years of my life, hell yes, I am very diligent and I de-risk as much as possible. So that's something as simple as on my spreadsheet, leaving a 15% contingency for the refurb. That's you know, putting in bridging finance at 1.2% a month instead of the 1% I might get it at. Um, that's like putting in a broker fee when I may not have one, putting in an arrangement fee when it may be less than that is. Um, and you might think, oh, well, you're overregulating. You're not going to be able to offer the right thing. Because I I understand that I'm overregulating it, and these are you know vanilla buy to lets. My offer price is this is really is the same to be honest. These things do add up, and you may be thinking, oh, they're going to reduce the the offer by a lot though if you're adding all these small percentages. Well, they don't because I'm happy to leave in a little bit more if I need to. But as much as I look at my spreadsheet and see these things, I know that actually realistically, probably, I'm going to have two or three grand less in the deal or whatever it is, or or 40 quid more cash flow a month because of what the rates are actually going to be. But that's fine because I'm preparing for worst case, right? When it comes to mortgage, I do 5% in my spreadsheet. I think right now it's about 3.8 on a good day. Maybe a bit less in a limited company, I think. No, sorry, maybe, yeah, yeah, let's know. But that's fine. I'll put it in a 5% and I'll be like, cool, I'm getting £200 a month net cash flow. And when it actually comes to the property and I probably get around 250 I mean, like, I'm happy. It's a win-win, right? Um, I think working with sources who are fully compliant, visiting the property, having a, a full you know, structural survey on every property I do, reading searches myself, as well as getting the solicitors to look at them, prodding the solicitors to check things such as has this probate gone through fully or is this a am I going to get a claim from Aunt Deirdre right that's my property actually I'm going to put a claim on that one because it hasn't gone through probate or you know am I going to actually be able to own this property and because I have a, a bit of an attention to detail um, and I'm quite picky uh, no I will pick up on these things and pick up on legal terms and verbose and whatever and you know de-risk everything you know within reason you know uh, if I pull out of a property deal, yeah, the, the the sources should keep whatever deposit they have. But if anything else happens, hell to the no, you are not keeping my deposit. That's another podcast I need to do, actually working with sources. Um, but yeah, that's how I manage risk. You know, once we start the refurbs again, there's going to be more de-risking to be done. And I'll learn that from the project manager who we're using on the first project, right? Because um, I want to learn these things, you know, Uh and this is a great question and one I'm going to be asking my guests more about how to de-risk things. Uh, so the last question is, what are your views on the benefits of having a mentor? I think there are all benefits and 
The only downside I can think of is you're paying for it. But if you look at ROI and what they're going to give you, if they're a good mentor, then usually, you know, like with accountants, like with brokers, whatever it is, their cost is going to be an investment into getting a bigger ROI. And sometimes you'll find mentors for free. You know, we created a mastermind group, uh, Sunny, Shabazz, Aaron, Hardeep. Um, and yeah, no one's put money in. So yeah, we're not as committed as we would be if, hey, we'd all paid for something. Um, but, you know, there's huge value in this group that we've kind of come together naturally because we're good friends and, you know, they all live in Birmingham and I like being in Birmingham. Uh, so I think having a mentor is it's probably one of the best things you can do. I'd say, though, you can be too early to having a mentor. Like, if you literally have just read your first property book, listen to a few podcasts, I would really upskill yourself first through Facebook and through other educational means and then get a mentor once you're kind of, you know, once you have a what you think is a business plan, I personally would then go to a mentor and say, look, I've got this. Do I need to tear this up? Do I need to do better? Whatever. But just have a try yourself first um, and, and choose a mentor that you like and that you agree with and that you know, you can work with, like, I'm very particular, like, sometimes it will take one thing someone says, and I will just never speak to them again, or I just will not work with them or recommend them to anyone, like, if someone makes one, like, comment that I think is, like, hugely sexist, but they think it's a joke, or they think it's whatever, like, you best believe I ain't talking to this person again, dead, I'm gone, like, and you think, what? What the hell? What if they're like a great business person and they can help you? Well, I think, well, I don't care because in my eyes, they're not a good person. And, you know, the example I gave before is one example, but they could say anything that you don't agree with. Um, and then, you know, sometimes that's what it takes. So don't be afraid to like say no or not go ahead with someone if you don't get along with them or agree with them personally, because as much as they're there to influence your business, they will influence you as a person and they should as a mentor and they'll influence your views and beliefs and how you behave. So you want someone who is aligned with you, not too aligned, you know, who's going to let you get away with excuses, but just, you know, on the right kind of level. You'll know when you meet them. Um, you know, ask other people who've worked with them how it was. Uh, do your kind of due diligence. But, like, absolutely, I think it's really, really important to have a mentor. Uh, and your mentor doesn't have to be, a, you know, a celebrity. You know, check out my guests on the podcast. I think some of them do mentoring. Uh, you know, a lot of them are giving, still giving away free, you know, 15, 30 minute, like mentoring coaching sessions on the phone. Um, like super important, get a mentor, get one you like, uh, and they will help you a lot. So we've reached the end of this podcast. This was really interesting. Actually, I quite, uh, I quite liked answering these questions. Uh, so Ash, Ash Palmer, thank you very, very much for sending me these questions. I hope this has answered everything for your dissertation and for everyone listening uh like i really hope this is this sort of uh episode has been useful uh for you if you like this podcast connect with tej on facebook linkedin and youtube for more great content